Hello again, and welcome to another Planet Beyond Shortcast, brought to you by Fugro, the leading partner in uncovering geodata, from the greatest subsea depths right up to outer space, and hosted by me, John Baston Pitt. Now, we recently aired an episode on the project Ivan Petilo of the National Robotarium has been working on with Mark Bruce of Fugro on the benefits and challenges of adding autonomy to remotely operated vehicles or ROVs deployed from uncrewed vessels. When we recorded episode 22, Ivan had some fascinating insights from his academic career, but we weren't able to include all of that interview in the episode. So I wanted to share an extended version of it with you today. Now, Ian started by telling us about one of the real pain points of subsea autonomy. So the real pain is the underwater domain is difficult to work with. A lot of my colleagues who started working in the underwater environment have moved on to other environment and they've told me it's too difficult and it's difficult for a lot of reasons it's difficult because uh, electromagnetic waves don't transmit underwater right so you can forget about gps you can forget about high speed transmissions of data you can forget about any form of radar electro optics uh, signaling and sensing so you're down to going back to what nature does underwater, where they want to send, they use sonar. And sonar is using acoustic waves. Mm-hmm. They're very slow in terms of propagation compared to electromagnetic waves. So you're talking 1,300 meters per, 1,500 meters per second in water compared to 300,000 kilometers per second for photons. So that's a big difference, isn't it? It's a huge different so that means everything's slower so you send a wave and it takes a few seconds to come back so you got all sorts of problems about understanding what's happening while you're moving and it's the same for communication so we use acoustics for communication we have very low bandwidth so we're talking of gigabit internet now in the underwater world if you get a kilobit per second you're happy so it's uh, so 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 that that forces you if you want to go somewhere without a cable that's forcing you to to embed autonomy into the systems. And you need to do that with sensors that are very limited because you have acoustics, which is low bandwidth, and you have vision, but vision underwater can be very, uh, very flaky. Some days mm. you're going to see very far, some days you're going to see your hand, and some days you're not even going to see your hand. Mm. So you can't rely on vision all the time. And so you have a lot of my work has been done using acoustics and sonars because that that is the main sensor that can be used subsea. I love this concept that you're you're stripping things back to a very limited set of data inputs and testing the boundaries of each. Do you ever look over your shoulder at what other animals have done in this space and and learn from them? I'm obviously thinking of, you know, animals like dolphins, etc. So we have done some work with uh, trying to mimic dolphin sonars. One thing they can do, for instance, if you put a bottle filled with water of oil Mm. at the other end of the swimming pool, they can tell you whether it's water of oil inside. So they can actually penetrate the structures and understand what's inside the structure. 
And they can do that because when they hunt fish that are buried in the sand, they have to be able to understand that. And they can also see the inside of a fish, and that helps them hunting because they can uh, kill animals by uh, eating them in the right place. The problem, so we've been able to analyze the type of waves they send, and we've replicated that, and we've seen that effectively they have the right waves. Mm. But what we can't replicate is the brain of the dolphin, and dolphins have quite a big brain. So a lot of the clever processing, like in humans, Mm. happened up here, the brain. And and that, we don't really understand how that works. So we we, we have also looked, and not us, but some groups have looked at uh, electrosensing. So things like eels do that when they, because they work in, uh, they operate in very muddy environment. Um, but again, that's very limited and hard to translate into operational solutions because you have to realize eventually you need to send those expensive vehicles somewhere and you want to get them back mm. so you so you need to to have things that will operate and bring value and not uh, just explore the art of the possible so we do that in research when we comes to collaboration with uh, companies we try to provide solutions which are effective yeah i get it so are you saying that your hardware development over over the last 20 years, has got you to a point where you can replicate, if you like, the sending out and the receiving of a limited number of signals, which are, well, which are, which are fairly good. But there's still a bit of a gap there in terms of the onboard processing capability. And this gap is helpfully defined or illuminated by these reference points in the natural world. You mentioned dolphins and eels. Well, I think... If you look at sonar, I think there have been real advances in sonar, which are not looking at the way dolphins do it. We've used synthetic aperture. Uh-huh. So uh, effectively, it's the, the same way radars are, are used to map the world now. So by, by moving a small antenna across a long uh, distance, you can create the equivalent of a very large antenna. And the length of the antenna is directly proportional to the resolution of what you can observe. So in the air, you can create antennas which are hundreds of kilometers long, and that gives you your 20-centimeter resolution you get on Earth with with radar. Underwater, you can do the same. Again, it's harder because the the wavelength is much much longer, so you need to, to... It's a bit more difficult technically, but it's been done now. And we now have uh, the ability to map the seabed very, very accurately using those techniques. But where are these antenna? Are they on the ROV? Oh, they are on. Uh, in this case, it's more a, a, a torpedo-shaped vehicle. Okay. And yeah. They're on the side of that, and as they move, they generate this synthetic antenna, which is much larger, which enables you to to generate very, very accurate uh, images at hundreds of meters from the vehicle. So we have now the technique to do inspection. So what I've been focusing on more recently is to say, okay, if we can do inspection. What else do we need? And I think for intervention, which is really what we need to bring to the table, if we want to do autonomous intervention, we can't use sonar. It's too crude. We need to go back to vision systems. So over the last five years, we've been developing solutions around vision systems, which enables you to autonomously inspect at the moment and hopefully intervene on 
structures using a, a, a clever vision system. But you just said earlier that, that vision systems are inherently limited by the cloudy, cloudiness of the water, for example. Are you stepping beyond that limitation now in a, in a new type of vision system? Or, or do you just accept that there are times when you can't use these systems or, or indeed places where you can and you can't? So we try to do both. So the vision system we have developed using polarization. And so we use polarized light and polarized cameras to try to reduce the amount of backscatter in the water so we can see further even when the, the visibility is poor. And we have a factor of, depending on the conditions, three to five improvement in the, 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 the distance at which we can see subsea. So that's, that's number one. Mm. Number two, we are planning to combine this system with sonar. So when the visibility is very, very poor, we use sonar only, but that would be in, in a form of reduced abilities because sonar is much, much harder to interpret because vision system, humans really interpret it really well. We have two eyes. We really understand what it's about, right? We've been doing it for millions of years, certainly, yes. Well, a sonar system will have a very different geometry because what you're receiving is effectively a range and an intensity at a range. And that range corresponds to, uh, depending on the vertical aperture of your system, to any point on that on the on 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 this vertical aperture, and so that that's much harder for us to, because we don't we don't have the same geometry. It's much harder for us to get our head around it, and also the as I said, the resolution and the amount of processing you need to do to uh, build a, an in, an interesting representation or a useful representation of the world is much more. It's much more involved. Mm. So we're working on this, but the, the first step was to provide a vision system that would give you the capability, which is really quite good when the visibility is good, and then build the, 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 the sonar system that will bring you the, the reduced capability, but the safe capability you need when the visibility is poor. We see the sonar more as being a safety tool. Right. So that yeah. it, it it guaranteeing that your 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 system will not crash into any structure, will be able to safely come back home, even if it gets into a situation where the the standard vision system wouldn't let you operate. It was great get a bit more of an understanding of the scientific challenges researchers like Ivan face as they try to develop new ways of working safely and effectively in an ever-changing underwater environment. Conversations like this serve to illustrate many fundamental points and principles, but I'm minded to highlight one of the most obvious. When some of the best human minds are applied to modern day adaptive challenges, their stories often serve to remind us that we share this planet with other animals which are orders of magnitude more advanced than us in sensing, understanding and navigating different environments. Something to respect, protect, understand and leverage for good but never to exploit. 
Evan's research is following this path, delivering value, not just exploring the art of the possible, bearing fruit today. You've been listening to a Planet Beyond Shortcast. And until next time, be safe, be remarkable, be the difference.